Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Take your word and still it in our hearts that we would have a great understanding of the truth that you have for us, we pray in Christ's name. I've entitled the message this evening, Run for Your Life. I don't know if any of you have ever done that or not. When you really had to run for your life. I did that one time. There was a bull after me. And I tell you, I was running for my life. Paul was apparently an athlete. You can find again and again throughout his writings where he refers to the Christian life in terms of some sporting event. As a matter of fact, in one place he even refers to it as a boxing match. And many times he refers to it as a race. Just for a few illustrations, in in 1 Corinthians 9.24, He says this, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. One illustration. Galatians 5, 7. He says this, You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Philippians 2.16, he says this, Hold fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may have cause to glory, because I did not run in vain, nor toil in vain. Just three quick illustrations of his references to a sporting event that would have been likened unto a foot race. He might have, had he been writing today, likened it unto an automobile race, but he likened it unto a foot race because that was something that was something that he apparently liked and was well acquainted with. He is talking about a race, but he is not talking about a foot race or an automobile race, or a horse race, or a dog race, or any other kind of race except the race of an individual in life to an end point, to a goal, to the fulfillment of a purpose, to the conclusion of one's objective. And this is the race that he continually talks about. Now the word in Greek that says race is agon, A-G-O-N. It is the the root word from which we get the word agony, A-G-O-N-Y. A race is an agony. And if any of you have ever engaged in a race for your life or in a race in school, you will recall that it was indeed before you got 
to where you were going a point of agony. I remember doing a few foot races when I was in school, and I can recall near the end of that race that I never felt so agonized in all my life, thinking that I could not possibly even finish the course that I had set out upon. I can remember in being chased by that bull, I thought of that after I got over the fence. I didn't think of it prior to that. Paul is describing the fact that we are in an agony. We're in a race when it is not easy. And we're going to breathe heavily, suffer some problems, some difficulties, some temptations to quit, to drop out of the race, to not complete the course, because it is more difficult than we had calculated when we started. You may discover, before this message is over, that I am paralleling the message this morning to a great degree, and I purposely am intending to do that. He uses the word in the first verse of this chapter, the word endurance, indicating this very thing of it being something that is going to take all of our stamina, all of our energy to accomplish. It is a description of steady determination. And I want to emphasize the word steady. The Lord wants people in this race of life that he can depend upon to complete the race. I have uh, sat before my television set and I have uh, been at races when I have agonized with that person in last place who was doing everything he or she possibly could just to get across the finish line, not to win. That had already long been won. But he or she was not going to be deprived of finishing the race. And I have seen, as you have, men and women get up off the turf and stagger just to finish the race. And there is an endurance contest here that is important. Many people in a race will start out fast. When my son was in track in school, one of the things that he had a tendency to do was hurry up and get in front. And then he discovered after a while that he had expended all of his energy early and he had nothing left to finish the course. And he staggered in. And he had to be taught to be one who is steady and stays with it and plods along. And is the plow horse, if you please, day after day after day, without that quick start and then that sudden loss in steam and loss in energy. Now the energy that he's talking about that we have is not something that we have in ourselves. And this is one difference between us as a Christian when we live our life and the person who is not a Christian. I said this morning 
that we will all have to undergo the same kinds of difficulties, the same problems come our way. Christians lose their job just like the non-Christian. There's no difference. Christians have financial problems just as the non-Christian. There's no difference. Christians have sickness in their home like the non-Christian. You can name over and over and over again the problems of life, and I'll guarantee you that we have them as Christian people, do we not? What's the difference between us and the non-Christian? The difference is that we are able to endure because we have a power from within that gives us our endurance. That's the difference. That's what's important for us. To be able to stay in the race and finish it, we might stagger, but there is a resource deep down inside us called the Spirit of the Living God that will see to it that we have a reserve of energy in those times when we're called upon to really stretch those Christian muscles. That's what we have got to see, that we're in a race not to quit, not to stop off, not to slap off, not to leave the course before it's finished, but with Paul to be able to say, I have finished the course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me at that day, but not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. All right. Let's go on to another point. We are in a race, and we have the fortitude and the endurance to to succeed and to finish the course. But he gives us some motivation, some encouragement. If you will notice in the very beginning of the first verse, he says, we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. What did he mean by that? Well, first of all, I'm quite sure that we would probably relate this to the people in the, the, in the stands who are shouting and encouraging and urging on the, the person who's on the racetrack. And I am convinced that many a team has won the, the game because of the, the fans. Those who encourage and support from the sidelines. Those who, who shout and, and say words of encouragement. And I can remember when I played football in high school, I was some people who stood on the sidelines and I heard shout encouragement and that gave me a little more energy and a little more effort and I hit a little harder than I would have otherwise because I knew there was somebody supporting. Okay, my first point is this. We as Christian people need to encourage and support each other in this race that we're in. We should never say a word of discouragement to each other. When we're down, we ought to lift up. When somebody is blue, it ought to be a pat on the back. A little phone call, the cards that you send are all points of encouragement. Encouragement. I didn't know that this was happening in my home, but this evening while my wife was, was taking a nap, I picked up an album that was laying at my chair underneath the table. I leaf through it. And you know what? I, I, I discovered in it something I didn't know was there. She has kept all of her uh, cards that people have sent her when she's been in the hospital. They're all pasted in the book. And I just looked at them. 
And they all said something about encouragement. Get well soon. We're praying for you. And the little notes that some of you put in the cards were all points of encouragement. This is important for people who are ill. And it does a tremendous amount to, to boost morale and to even bring about healing. And, and certainly this is true when we have people of our own group who are blue and down and lost loved ones and all the things that happen to us. We need the encouragement. But that's not the group that Paul is talking about, this great cloud of witnesses, he said, that are standing here encouraging you on. Do you know what, who that group is? The people in heaven who have already run the race before us, who now are capable of looking down upon earth and seeing you and me run the same race, they're encouraging us and saying, go on, keep at it, you can do it, we did it, you can too. That's exactly who he's talking about. A great cloud of witnesses who, have, who are not just on the sidelines watching, but who have experienced the same race and have run it and have been successful. I have many, many, many times in my life thought of, of my grandfather who died many years ago. And I don't think of him now as on earth as much as I think of him in heaven, but the thought that comes to my mind is that he's giving me from heaven the same encouragement that he gave to me on earth. And I know that he is one of this great crowd of witnesses that Paul is talking about that is encouraging the people on earth to live the Christian life like it ought to be lived and win that race. That's who's there. Tremendous crowd of witnesses are watching. Well, there's something that he says in this first verse that we need to get rid of if we're going to run a good race. Pardon me while I move this. It's had it down, and I keep hearing, I think there's getting too much. Is that better? Big pardon? Oh, maybe that's what it is. No, it's missing. Okay, that must have been. Okay. Probably my, yeah, all of this stuff that I do. Okay, maybe that's better. I don't really think you need that mic to hear me anyhow. All right. Look what he says. In running this race, in the very first verse, lay aside every encumbrance. Now, that's in my translation. Yours might have a different word. Lay aside the encumbrances. What is an encumbrance? An encumbrance is a bulk or a mass of something, a weight that is unnecessary, that holds one down, that gets in the way, that impedes progress. That's an encumbrance. If a person is going to run a race, we will unload from us anything that is unnecessary. 
If we lined up out here on the parking lot to run to the other end, the first thing I would do would be pull off my coat because it would be an encumbrance. This is important for us to realize as a Christian that there are some things in our lives that keeps us from running the race like we ought to. They weight us down and hold us down and won't let us run freely. The trouble is most of us don't want to let go of those things that impede our progress. And we want to hold on to things. Many people want to hold on to, to the past. Well, the past is gone. We can't look back anymore. We've got to look forward. The old ways are behind us. The new ways are in front of us. I'm not suggesting there's a new gospel. I'm suggesting that we need to look forward and not be so concerned about looking backward. And we talked about that this morning, and I'm not dealing with that any further. But the other thing that he says to get rid of, and that is sin, which so easily entangles us. If you had on a long flowing cloak, or you ladies were wearing a skirt, and you were trying to run a race, it's liable to get entangled around your feet or around your legs, and it's going to cause you to stumble and fall. You don't want anything loose hanging on the body that might entangle you. But when we as Christian people refuse to divest ourselves of our own pet sins, they become uh, entanglements for us. They impede our progress and they won't let us succeed for the Lord as he wants us to succeed. Now, we can name all kinds of things that would be a hindrance to our living for the Lord as we ought to live. What I'm saying is, we are expected by the Lord himself to live as close to the way he lived as possible and get out of our lives those things that keeps us from being Christ-like. Now, whatever those things are in your life, may be different than they are in my life. But we are uh, behooved by the scripture and encouraged by Paul in this verse is to get out of our lives those things that impede our Christian progress. I didn't say that. Paul did. That's what keeps the church from being as progressive as it ought to be. That's why we don't win as many people as we ought. That's why our church is not full of people as it ought. There are so many things that are in our way, and we cannot run the good race. Now, look at verse 2. He says to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. This morning we talked about the tendency to look down at our feet. This will impede our progress. Anybody who runs in a race cannot look at his feet. If he does, he is sure to lose the race. He's got to look where he's going and pay no attention, no attention to his own feet, what they're doing. He ought to know what his feet are doing. He doesn't have to look down to see. That ought to be second nature. So, our object is to look at Christ that's our goal. The second thing, and I'll leave that since we talked about this morning, is a tendency to look to see what the crowd is doing. 
whenever a person in a race starts paying attention to what the crowd is saying, he begins to lose the race, for his attention has been uh, taken off his goal and has been put on something on the sideline, and he will slow down. The same thing is true when a person pays more attention to his competition than he does to his own race. And whenever you see a person on the track turn his head even the slightest to see who's close to him, he begins to slow down and his competition catches him. The point is, in the Christian life, we are not to be concerned about the boos or the cheers of the crowd. We're not to be concerned about how our neighbor is doing. We are to be concerned about how we are doing. On one occasion, Jesus was talking to his disciples near the end of his ministry about what people, his, his disciples ought to do. And he had given Peter some instruction. And Peter, in his uh, rather uh, brash way of doing things, was not satisfied for the Lord to tell Peter himself what he ought to do. He wanted to know about others. And so he said, the Lord, uh, referring to John, he said, how about John? And Jesus came back and said to him in so many words, it really isn't any of your concern what my charge to John is. You take care of Peter. What was he saying? We've got enough on our minds. We've got to exert our energies in our own race to reach the goal. Let's not worry about other people's race. If we would take care of our own race, the other people could take care of their race. But sometimes we get in each other's way because we want to know how they're running. More than we're concerned about how we're running. And this becomes a problem within the Christian faith is for people to know that they're in the race as an individual and don't have to worry about the the race of the other people so much. Now, he calls this person upon whom we are to put our eye, the author and the perfecter of our faith. This is the guy that wrote the book. He developed the game. He wrote the rules. Keep your eye on the one who has the rule book. And not upon somebody else who is in the competition. He wrote the rules. But the other word is the perfecter. The word perfecter means the one who completes. He is not only the author, but he is the completion of the race. He's the one that made it possible. He has already run the race, and the scripture says, right here in one of these verses, and I can't remember which one it's in now, he sat down on the right hand of the Father, Well, don't see it real quick. I forgot to, to underline it. Jesus finished the race, and when it was over, he sat down on the right hand of the Father. He said it is finished on the cross, and he went to 
heaven and sat down with the Father on his right hand because he had completed the race. Whenever we have completed the race, we'll do the same. But we're still in the race. Now, why do we run the race? It's agony. Why would anybody put himself into a race where he's going to have to agonize all the way through it? It's going to be torture. It certainly might have started out as pleasure, but it is not now. It is absolutely agonizing to continue. And we have thought about dropping out and saying, I just can't finish and all those things, but we keep going on. Why do we keep going on? Because we are motivated to keep going on. Paul said to, in the Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What did he say he was doing? He was pressing on for the prize. Now I want to ask you what the prize is. What was Paul going to get out of his race? What are you going to get out of your race? What am I going to get out of my race? We might say, well, I'm going to get heaven. I want to suggest to you that that's not the object of running the race, is to gain heaven. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. I don't know how many of you ever read Jack London's book, The Call of the Wild, or saw the movie. Many of you did. When I was a teenager, I read that thing and read it and read it. Anything about Alaska or Canada, northern Canada, I devoured. I even wrote a novel when I was a teenager about Alaska. I've never been there, but I wrote one anyway because I was that interested in what was going on. I never did anything with it. I've since lost it, but nevertheless, I wrote it because of my interest. But I remember in that book that the hero of the book had a dog, a sled dog. And in a bar one night, the hero and another man who wanted that dog and tried to buy him and he was not for sale, finally finagled a competition in which a sum of money was put over against the dog. And the task was that the dog could or could not pull, I believe it was a thousand pounds, the way I remember it, a thousand pounds on that dog sled a certain number of feet. The hero said his dog could do it. The guy who wanted the dog said, I bet you he cannot do it. If I win the bet and he cannot pull that sled with a thousand pounds on it, dog is mine. So they went outside into the street, put the dog in the harness and the thousand pounds on the sled. The hero rubbed the dog's ears and hugged him, walked a set number of feet, turned around, and bid the dog to come. Remember that? And in that movie, that dog began to strain and pull against that harness. And the people on the sidelines began to shout, and the money was changing hands as they were betting as to whether the dog would or would not pull that load. And that dog strained with all the muscle he had and all the heart that he could put in it. He pulled and he pulled until he finally laid his head in the arms of his master across that line that's been set. He pulled the load 
And I want to ask you, why did he pull the load? What did he get out of it? He only got one thing out of it. He got a hug and a pat. Why did he do it? Because his master asked him to do it. That's why. And we're in that kind of a race with whatever load has been put in our sled to pull the distance that our Lord has set for no other reason than to receive commendation from our master when we have succeeded and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the kind of race we're in and that's the reason we will strain with all our heart to do what he wants us to do because we simply want the pat on the head. We simply want to hear our Lord say, Well done, you good and faithful servant. That's the only reason for running this race. Is to please our Master. That's all. And it takes something out of us to do it. And it means that we're going to get in the harness. In this church, we're all going to get in the harness. And we're going to pull that load, regardless of how heavy it is, across the line that the Lord has established just because he asked us to do it. And we're going to do it because we've got a heart of love. That's all. We ask nothing in return. We expect nothing in return. But to please our master is all our life means. How close to that can we come? If a sled dog in Alaska can please his master by doing the impossible, and we, for our master, in faith in what he wants of us. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.